what's going on folks these are your boys adam morales and austin torres we're here to bring you the x-town podcast we're crosstown rivals but local best friends and we're here to bring you the best coverage of last week's yankees and mets baseball right we have a lot to discuss yet again hopefully both of us have more to talk about this week right yeah the last podcast had some uh Yankee rainouts and this the Mets have gotten a couple days off to end this week. Yeah, so it's a slightly shorter week for the Mets than it is for the Yankees, but we got plenty of content to bring you guys uh, here today. The scale's been tipped even. Yeah, so let me start off with like last Tuesday, April 17th. I was at that game, right? Um, it's a day after our uh, podcast. A day after we recorded our last podcast, which was Monday, um, we were saying uh, toward the end, the Yankees and Mets games both started uh, while we were recording. Right. And uh, the Yankees, that night, the Yankees blew the Marlins out. I don't know if you guys remember, but that's what happened. And then I went the following day, and the Yankees got blown out by the Marlins. Mm. It was was, a... Possibly the worst professional baseball game I've ever seen uh, from the Yankees, from any team within their system that I've seen. Uh, in person, too? Yeah, in per- that's what I mean, in person. in person. Yeah, and I've seen, like, Staten Island Yankees games. They were fundamentally <laughs> sound. Like, the Yankees were not fundamentally sound like that night. Yeah, you, t- you told me there was a lot of sloppy baseball being played that night. Yeah, Didi had a throwing error. Uh uh, the first baseman I remember couldn't handle a pick in that game on a on a, on a decent play from Torres. Mm, who was who was the first baseman that day? Uh, I think it was Tyler Austin. Yeah, he's been playing a lot of first base. Yeah, for you that, guys that game was. Oh no, no, all right, yeah. So what had happened was that game. Uh, Sanchez fields a dribbler in front of the plate, throws it to first base. Tyler Austin occupies first. And the ball, like, Sanchez fires a rocket because he has a gun. So I guess Austin wasn't expecting it. It just, like, went right off the heel through his legs. Oh, it was, it was, it was a low p- throw, but he just didn't handle it. It was, like, low, but, like, it was, should have been. Ground. It yeah. wasn't on the ground. It should have been handled. It was, like, thigh high, knee high. I guess he took his eye off it and it Something hit like off that. the heel and just skirted through his legs, you said, into the right? Into right, yeah, short right field. And then, uh. Another bag off of it or just an error? I uh, do believe a run scored or it advanced runners, but I do remember shortly thereafter Neil Walker, the infield was in. Neil Walker has a two-hop grounder mm-hmm. up the middle, and he probably could have gotten in front of it because it's a two-hop grounder, but he chose the backhand and just whiffed on it. But – withdrawn in infield the official score gave him a hit but yeah. like i'd see it as an error well just, you just thought it was a ball he could have played yeah and i guess since he didn't get any glove on it i know major they like to reward the offensive player with the hit and not you know yeah they're a little more lenient toward right. the hitter now rather than when we were younger mm-hmm. and you know i guess errors they're not a part of the game yes but you don't want to give somebody an error Unless, I guess, you get glove on or if it's really routine, you know, by, right. by the definition of the term. Right. I feel you. But, yeah, that was just a really sloppy game. Um, I forget the score. I think it was like 11 or 12 to 1. Um, Miguel Andujar actually hit a home run in the ninth inning of that game. 
uh, it was his first big league home run, and it set off his uh, current extra base hit streak. Right, I know he had a on. hot week last week. I right? think he's got seven extra base hits, and let's see, I, I read something in the paper about he is the only other player to do that, the only other Yankee to do that under the age of 24. The other two are Joe DiMaggio and the Mick. Mickey Mandel, so that's... Name with good company, is yeah. they would say. And everyone that's been around him, like Judge, has been with him since high A Charleston. And uh, he's just... He's saying this is nothing surprising to me. He's been doing this for years. Well, so it's just er earlier than predicted as far as seeing it on the major league yeah. field for him, for mm -hmm. Andujar, That uh, Yeah, he had a rough go at it um, when he first came up a little bit. He was uh, trying to find his, uh, his way. But last week... He some something ticked. He, I think he found it last week. He looked really good. Seven seven in. straight games with an extra base hit. That's 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 a hitting streak on steroids, man. Right. But also, you saw this guy pitch. The Marlins guy pitched a great game that day. Right. I know. I, I Harleen Garcia. The one I spoke about that pitched the, I think a no hitter through six against the Mets. He yeah. went on to almost do the same thing against the repeat Yankees. Repeat that same. He uh, had nine, showing against you guys. He had nine no-hit innings uh, until the Andujar <laughs> double. Mean, how in many no-hit innings? Nine no-hit yes. innings oh. to start off his career as a starter because I think he had some bullpen appearances. Yeah, he would have finished the whole game if it would have been the Mets and the Yankees combined. Yeah, right? But he had nine innings to start off his no uh, his career, and that's uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, the kid the kid for the Marlins, what is his name, Harlan Garcia? Yeah, starts with a J. Yeah, Jarlene, I know, I think, they yeah, pronounce Harleen. it Harleen. Yeah, he's um, he's made a name for himself against two of the better lineups and both coming out of New York. Uh, our team in the Mets, they had a rougher start to the week from where we left off in our podcast because they came, they they were going into facing the Nationals at home, a big three game stand after a sweep of them on the road. You know, we wanted to, you know, keep keep the distance that we have fought early to make up for ourselves against them. You know, early is early, but we were up on them by five and a half, six games going into this three-game set with them at City. And Jacob gave us a gem in Monday's start, and it just it didn't work out that way. We saw a collapse in the eighth inning by the bullpen that was just – it was painful to see. But there are some other highlights in that game I need to touch upon because – Bryce Harper put on a show that game, and I, you can pretty much say with almost half the bat because oh, that was the that was a broken bat homer game, right? And oh and goodness, rewatching the game, I I guess I I watched at two different points when I was doing the episode here, and then when I got back oh, home, yeah, and then yeah. Bryce Harper later in the game when he gets his RBI two RBI single to tie the game, he does it with a broken bat. That so was crazy. he has two two of his at bats that burn the Mets with three RBIs altogether throughout them. He breaks his break, goes through two bats to get them, and it's uh, it really kills the Mets. But at the end of the day, Harper's three RBIs and his all the damage he did alone wasn't the tale that was told. We saw uh, the bullpen collapse, and uh, I gotta put a little bit of heat on Familia somewhat, but I need to Ooh. put it in perspective based on how he was used. Because coming into this podcast, I saw two troubling outings from him last week. But before we get to the later one. One thing I need to note as a Met fan going in is I he's a closer that I don't think succeeds well with runners in scoring position, inheriting other runners in scoring right. position. Some guys are like that. Yes, some guys are like that. And 
in both opportunities that I referenced, uh, save was blown because he comes into a situation where you know there's runners in scoring position, and I just think it's something that Mickey Callaway needs to note moving forward. I understand that you know it's a fresh start, fresh season. Maybe you know he can get rid of the old taboo, but it definitely seen that it still bothered Familia, and that you no, know, even though in this game on Monday. He came into a bases loaded situation and, you know, Blevins nor Ramos made it easier for him upon that. You know, he still comes in as the closer and you want, you're you looking for him to get, get the job done and get outs. Yeah, exactly. But he comes in, he lets up a single that scores two RBIs. He then hits somebody, walks to hit Sierra, walks Taylor. That brings in the go-ahead run and we're down 7-6 in the eighth. And it's just a situation that the Mets have seen once too many times. I and mean, when, you know... DeGrom goes eight innings. He pretty much hands the ball off to one guy and then Familia going leaving in the eighth inning. It was yep. just painful to see. Painful to see because uh You want he, your big guy to get a, a W out he, there. He he set himself for the W. He had nine Ks through eight. He was he was good. He got he he get, he let he put two people on to begin the eighth, and that's what ended his knife er, his night early. Right. But he did get one out in the inning, so it wasn't you could come in, you know, seven and a third. You put two runners on. Not bad. That's right. a great outing. It's still a 6-1 game at this point. Right. That's the big point. It's still a 6-1 game. Oh, my. Lugo comes in. He walks one hitter. He faces the one hitter. He walks him. They pull the plug on him. Blevins, then he has the bases loaded. That's when Harper brings in two runs. Was Ble- Blevins came in to face the lefty? Is that Harper. why they pulled... Uh- that's Lugo. probably why Lugo only faced one hitter. Right. He probably went with he wanted to go with Blevins versus Harper. Mm-hmm. Right. And in a matchup where you would expect Blevins, you know, a junk baller to rely on the curveball, he actually gets burned on a fat one of the fastball throws. Inside was effective. It, it breaks Harper's bat, but right. you know he he muscles it into past Asdrupal and in, in between Adrian for a single. That's crazy. That, that's a six four game. Ramos comes in. He gets one out, loads the bases before they go to Familia. This is still with one out, 6-4 game. Familia lets up a big hit. And then in the ninth, of another home run to Howie Kendricks, you know, seal the deal for sure. We we were shut out for the, the last two uh, bottom half of the innings. And Bam. It was a rough – that was a rough loss and followed it up with another rough loss. It wasn't the same – in the following sense, day, the following day, oh it wasn't. It wasn't the same in the sense that um, there was the collapse in the bullpen, mm-hmm. but it was a day where the offense didn't show. And uh, you know, there are going to be days where this happens, because this is a start where we're looking at uh, a Nationals player, a Nationals pitcher, Gio Gonzalez, who just owns the Mets in their own place. Eleven and one in City Field with a one point seven ERA. Damn, he dominates in City Field and. On this, night, sign him. on this night, <laughs> he did the same. He went six innings. He went, no, five innings pitched, and he K'd seven. He um, came out a little early, yes, but the Nationals bullpen put up spotless spotless th- three innings, six, seven, eight, and nine. No, they put up a spotless four spot. Yeah. So, damn. We were just 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position that day, and, you know, we saw a Ooh. good start from Wheeler. He only let up three earned in his six innings pitched. It's pretty pretty good you know you can't really ask for too much but yeah it's still a quality start definitely I, would I, say i think no you know 
by the it's, stat it's criteria. T- it's, it's on the borderline, as they would say. You know, once you're yeah. going from three to four earned runs, it's a lot. But he did go the full six, finish the full six with those three earned. So mm-hmm. it's still it's good to see Wheeler put together. You know, if you could take three runs coming off of a one run, two run start, you right. know, I think that these are still product product it's productive. Tough. It's tough to build on for him. So that day, the Mets offense just didn't show. Which is um, a bit surprising. You said to me um, just now that they were 0 for 9 that day with uh Run as a scoring position, yeah. yeah. Um, that's that's surprising because they, they seem to be hitting pretty well situationally all season. Hmm. But uh, like it, you said, it happens every now and then. Right, and that's because you are right. They are hitting well with runners in scoring position, but they do are they are toting a couple of players of low averages and – Big, right. The big three I like to mention this week is Conforto, Cespedes, well, and Conforto Bruce. Conforto came, came in a little later than everyone. He spent some time hurt, right? right? Yes, but um, I definitely was able to touch upon him the last time the Mets played the right. Nationals. So I, I do think that he's had enough bases, and they're all hitting at the Mendoza line. They're all at 200 on the season. Yeah, Cespedes Con- killing me right Conforto now. Conforto and Cespedes are a little over it. Bruce is a little under it. Bruce is battling that foot injury day to day, so he's under uh, 200. M- maybe towards the end of the week he boosted it up, but what, I think Cespi is under 200. He's, I think he's at 180 something. I, lo- I looked at his fantasy stats. Okay, the last time I looked and rec- recorded each of theirs, uh, Cespedes was at a 208. Oof. Bruce was at a, a 197, and then Conforto was spotting a 209. Ooh. And this is uh, this is going into Friday. Yeah. Okay. So you know maybe they maybe a couple of them got hits on Saturday that could have boosted it, but. Right, right, right now, right. three main pieces of our lineup aren't, are you not know, producing. are not producing. Right. And although we do see Cespedes get a couple of big hits throughout the week, you know, he gets a game winner, he gets he gets some big hits, drives in some big runs. The consistency isn't there, and just the other the other hits hits without running in scoring position, you know, extra base hits and showing good getting good swings on the ball. It's not there. You know, he's got. I think maybe more than 40 strikeouts going into this week right now in this episode. So mm. Mm. that's a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. That is bad. Not I productive know, outs. I know he ended the week with at least 38. Yeah. And that's going into Friday too. So I don't think he got two on Saturday, but. All right. I hear you. I, anyway, I want I want to bring up uh, a little Yankee uh, surprising performance. Um, Jordan Montgomery did well again after a rough outing, pretty rough outing his previous time around. Uh, yeah, Monty, he pitched well on, uh, the 21st. What's today? The 24th. That was three days ago. That was Saturday. Right. Yeah, Saturday he did really well. Um, he battled. He got into a few jams. I believe this was a, there was a bases loaded jam. Oh, that was the start out. against Stroman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went toe to toe with Stroman. Marcus Stroman. Yeah, and that was a that was a tough battle for both Montgomery and Stroman. Yeah, Stroman got bit. Montgomery was able to work out of his jams though. Right, but Stroman got bit late. He, car- he yeah. carried a pretty efficient start. I think I caught a glimpse of that game, and I, I I know his last inning. I think all the damage was done to him with, I think Andujar sending him out the game. No. Yeah, yeah. Andujar did that, but early in the game, I think in the first inning. Uh, he walked Guardy to lead off the game and uh, 3-0 to Judge, and he tried to send a cookie in there, and Judge uh, made him pay for it. it was a, oh, I was very impressed to shot. see that. Cause it was right it down the pipe, too. Yeah, 3-0, and he got every bit of that pitch. He and did not miss like, it at all. It was a 
towering it, second decker almost. Yeah, and if, if if it was the show, it's exactly what you want on a 3-0 pitch because you know, they tell you the timing in the show, and y- you just want to be just a little that's, bit early. Right, that's if and you're he, swinging. <laughs> and he was just a little bit early because he was able to like keep it fair just down the left field line and hit that second deck with a towering shot. It was nice to Sitting see on 3-0. If it's going to come, I'm getting everything started and early, and I'm going to unload on it. Yeah, that man, let that pitch go. But uh, yeah, that's so definitely a good sign to see, though. Three and zero from from Judge. Know. Yeah, he he's been pretty hot this past week too, along with Andujar. Um, if Andujar was not so hot, uh, the paper would probably be talking about Judge a lot more, uh, putting him on the back page and all that because um, he started off a tad bit slow, but uh, he's picking it up lately. He's getting a few doubles here and there. He's bashing some uh, long balls along the way. And th- and last week was he featured mostly in the two hole? Yeah. This is where does you think the, this is going to be his spot in the it's lineup? It's his spot right now for sure. And with Didi hitting behind him, the Yankees have picked up steam. I liked that switch yeah. by Boone. Boone. Yeah. I liked him putting in Didi and switching Giancarlo his, to yes, four and not having the two power righties back to back. Putting a lefty in the middle. Well, now you just have two different power righties back to back. Put him next to Sanchez. Right, I get what you. Well, yeah. Well, I still, I just think that Didi separating Stanton and Judge, mm-hmm. it's gonna help because we already seen that Judge isn't. You know, he didn't start the season off that slow as slow as Stanton has. Yeah, no. So it might be it might be affecting how they are getting pitched to. So to you know throw Didi in there right now definitely changes pitcher's approach to the, Cause the Didi, first inning. Didi's our hottest hitter. He's our best hitter right now. Best all-around guy and he's leading the squad in homers. Um he gets two out hits. So I do like him in the three hole, especially if he gets like I said he gets two out hits. So that gives Stanton a chance with two outs and a runner on a lot of the time if uh Judge and Gardy uh fail to get on. So it gives us options. I was always a fan uh, from spring training on breaking up Stanton and Judge with a lefty because they're two strikeout prone power righties. Right. And I was always like, oh, let's put Judge, I mean, not Judge, uh, let's put Bird in the three hole. But obviously he's been hurt, uh, hasn't played. But Didi is a good lefty to put in that three hole now, especially because he did so well in the cleanup spot at the end of last year and this year also. Yeah. I think we're starting to see a lot more of, um, Coaches trying to go righty, lefty, lefty, righty throughout the course of their lineup if they have that type of availability. Because right. I know I touched upon last week, Callaway's been doing the same thing with going um, usually a righty to start off the game, but then as Jupe who can switch it, it's usually hitting two. Conforto's a lefty at three, and then we go Cespedes at four. It's Or Conforto's either batting earlier in the game in front of Jupe, depending on who's who's batting leadoff. That, that's been the position. The, Spot in our order that's been fluctuating, but Lead we've off. seen a lot of yeah, but we've seen a lot of lefty righty in our lineup, and I I think it I think it's uh, refreshing and it keeps the pitcher not I don't want to say off their game plan, but you know it's a different type of preparation right that it's harder to adjust to throughout the course of a game when you know you're used to seeing a couple of righties come up in the lineup and then you have a couple of pitches working for you on certain spots of the corner. Right. And then you get a righty-lefty, righty-lefty consistently throughout the lineup. I think it could add to a pitcher's ailing throughout a game. Also, yeah, I mean, some guys just naturally uh, struggle against lefties because, well, pitchers pitchers always like to th- – they, they favor one side of the plate naturally. It's what – I don't know. It's a natural thing within them. I always liked 
Uh, it's just something yeah, I guess that you you see that you excel yeah. at one part of the corner, one corner of the plate. Exactly as a pitcher. So and le- lefties are usually very quick inside. So guys that favor the uh, the glove side, righties that favor throwing to their glove side, are usually bad against lefties. And because uh, for whatever reason, lefties they they can bail they they can bail out when they swing and go to first and it'll actually make them quicker and give them a little bit more power, power. too. Right, yeah, I, I've so seen that happen in a couple of them. Guys that throw to the 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 glove side get victimized by that. So uh it, that's it definitely does change up a right-handed pitcher's mindset. I mean, as well as a lefty's. Left, uh, yeah. yeah. But, but I, I'm just thinking in terms of righty cuz I'm a righty. You a right-handed pitcher. Yeah. But um it definitely changes up the way they would attack a lineup. Because if you're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, this I, I know this guy likes inside, and I just naturally throw inside a lot, you know, it's gonna it's gonna make you aware, and, and might make you want to throw more changeups away, something right. like that, and to when combat that, that. And when that inside corner is changing hitter to hitter, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're relying also based on you know how you see your stuff working throughout the course of that game, you know, wherever you see yourself. Like, I can imagine, like you said, a pitcher probably has one side of the plate he's dominant to as a pitcher. Yeah. But there might be one day where the other side of the plate is your strength for that game. Exactly. Just that, that day. That does happen, too. Yeah, yeah it's been so there. If, if, I've been there. On those type of days, you never know. Things I mean, get weird on those days. Yeah. And <laughs> that's when, you know, seeing righty-lefty, righty-lefty, it can I can imagine it mess with a pitcher. Also, there's the outside factor of the blue. Uh, the umpire, you got to get a feel for the umpire. Some umpires don't give you that inside call. Right. Some don't give you the outside call. There's a lot of thinking that has to be done when you're on the mound uh, by the pitcher and catcher that just general fans don't realize. There's a ton of thinking. You raise a very good point in that because as we watch some of our highlights, even as we watch games live when, when we're watching, you can, tell, you can tell as they go right to lefty in a lineup that's when you can mostly see the umpire's sense of the strike zone based on whether or not he favors the outside or inside corner. As I as I've watched games with you, I've seen a right-handed hitter come up, not get the not get the outside or get the outside corner, and the left-hander not get the left-handed hitter not get the inside corner of the plate. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because exactly. it it depends on how the umpire is favoring the strike zone if he wants the outside or inside pitch. So it, not even the side of the plate might always matter in, in retrospect to what we're talking about because if the umpire the umpire also controls the strike zone for that game for the games as well yeah and that, I, I gotta say that always sucks with switch hitters too because uh later in the game you know sometimes they gotta go up and bat righty and they right, bring in a lefty mm-hmm. and the guy like the whole zone's different for him sometimes i remember a couple of years ago with the yankees beltron got into it with a with an umpire because uh the outside call as a righty was, was there all day. It was there all day, but he didn't get the same thing, same pitch, same spot when he turned around as a lefty when they brought in a righty reliever and right. Beltron got heated. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it makes sense. They changed the pitcher, but the same umpires back there. You got to keep it consistent. All right. So take me from this my Miami series and this this bad what the last the last game you talked about was a bad loss. Yeah, it was, it was a two-game set, so we split. And okay. I, I told you, I think previous podcast, I was just like, yo, Yankees got a sweep. Uh, I think I didn't know it was a two-game set. I wanted them to win uh, sweep three. Three? Yeah, but uh, n- now knowing that it was a two-game set, we totally should have swept it. Definitely. Or at least not played as bad as you know, we did when I went. Well, let's move forward. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, then there was the, the – I believe a four-game set versus 
uh, Toronto. Um, we took three of four against them. Uh, won game one, three and four, and then we also won yesterday, Monday versus the Twins. So we're three out of our last four. We're like mini hot right now. We're 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 sparking up. It's uh, a good way to end the week. Yeah, it's a good way to end the week. Right. And uh, yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to see if the Yankees can keep this hot streak going versus Barrios tonight. Uh, it's a Tuesday, so Barrios is pitching tonight. Right. April twenty fourth, people. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, and Berrios is hot, too. Uh, but the Yankees did hit him a lot last year, but he's a different pitcher, so I, put, I would be put, aware right. of this matchup tonight. It's gonna be good. Who do you guys have on the rock? Uh, CeCe. Okay. And he's a stopper. He's a gamer. I love CeCe. You can never count him out. I don't care if he's 38. Right. No, I agree <laughs> with you, but you don't need him to stop anything just to keep the good things going, right? Yeah, we need him to keep good things going, so... Well, the Mets were able to, going back to this Washington series in the middle of, they were able to pull one game out of it, and it's it, it, the score might look differently, but it wasn't easy. It was an 11-5 win, but six of those five runs came all in the eighth inning. So, uh, yet yeah. again, we saw the Mets you know, have a, a little struggle for offense throughout the game, but most importantly... Uh, we got a little bit of a shaky stats from st- a shaky start from Steven Matz. And with Steven, it's really one step forward, one step back. You know, I never really see consistently start after start uh, right. uh, just a sense of the strike zone that he has game to game. He never really builds on his last start. Yes, he always comes out. And then like this game, he went one, he went four innings pitched, only three earned runs. But I mean, only Three hits, but those are talented for three earned runs because you know three earned runs in four innings pitched. It's not that great. He let up a home run to Zimmerman. You know the other ones were doubles. It wasn't like he let up too many hits, but he got hit hard. And right. He he fell behind in counts and wasn't able to last. Wasn't able to look, go deep into that game. The Mets were down four to two going into the bottom of the eighth, and in this inning, it, it was just. It started with three straight singles. That brought Todd Frazier to the plate. And Frazier, at this point, would start to wake up his bat a little bit. He comes through with a big one-out uh, RBI single up the middle that drives in two runs. And th- this is this is when the inning starts to progress because we t- that ties this at 4-4. Four and four. Mm-hmm. And um, this is when I started to realize that the Nationals have uh, only X amount of arms in their bullpen too because they've gone to the same three people throughout the course of this uh, three-game set with the Mets in the bullpen. Madsen, Kinsler, and Doolittle. Mm-hmm. And the Mets were able do. to get to the Mets were able to get to Madsen in this last start, but he was able to pitch the first two games of the series and Doolittle as well and close out and have productive bullpen outings at the end of these games. But in this inning, um, the two the RBI from Todd Frazier came off Madsen, in which case they go to uh, I don't remember his name right now, but because they went to two other guys, one they walked and struck, got a strikeout to load the bases again in a 4-4 game, bringing Juan Lagares up, who gets they intentionally walk to get to Juan, who mm. drives the ball with a good piece of hitting up the right field line for a double that nice. gives us a 6-4 lead going late into the game. Oppo, and, 
Yes, right up the right field line. It was beautiful. A great piece of hitting and a clutch at bat in the game. And a great part I've able to see is all of the Mets. They are they know when the big games are here. This mm-hmm. was coming off of two bad losses to the Nationals, and they don't want to. You don't want to sweep the the team you know you're battling. You know mainly for the division. You don't want to sweep them and then go and get swept by them. Exactly. And then in your home field, so they were able to come out with a big win, and. We talk about Cespedes' struggles, but this is a game where late he comes out with a big hit, a grand slam later on in that eighth inning that gets to put a lot more space in that game and give us the leverage to go off to 11-5 win. Um, a notable a notable outing in this game is Paul Seawald. You know, he went three innings pitched, allowed one earned with five Ks, spotting a nice low 2.2 ERA right now in the season. Five Ks, how many innings? Did you three. Say? Three. Ooh, three. Okay. Came in right after Mats and held down the fort. Uh, a lot of a lot of the Mets' position for success in that eighth inning might not have been possible if Seawall doesn't go three solid innings. Yeah, I don't think he he's a long relief guy either. No, and he, this is coming off of off With, of the bullpen getting bastard. You know, the two nights before a little bit. So, oh, so they used Gesellman, and you said they used Lugo. Lugo, right? Lugo only faced one hitter, but, yeah, but he could have been he used could've, more. He could have been. Lugo comes in to finish this game. Oh, Lugo comes in. If he doesn't, you know, he doesn't get a save, but he comes in to right. get the final three outs in the ninth inning. Ramos in the eighth. So Seawald's three innings got us to the seventh, one run game and kept us there. You know, That's without crazy. that, you don't get those type of games. Damn. And before before I let you get a little bit deeper into that Blue Jays series, I got to touch on the start of the Braves series and probably one of the biggest points of emphasis for the Mets last week and something you know besides. The bullpen struggles that we've seen, a little bit of the offensive struggles here and there. You know, I saw a really uh, repulsive start from Matt Harvey, if you can ask me. You know, it's 0-2 on the season. He comes out against the Braves, goes six innings, allows six earned. You know, he gets up eight hits, three Ks. It's not an impressive outing for Matt. And mm. you, one thing I just need to touch upon watching his start, and I don't know if this is uh, something that they're putting him in the bullpen to see if it works out. Matt Harvey, I don't think he's the type of pitcher. He's not going to see the same type of success you saw as a pitcher with where he's at right now. I, I, think, I think the bullpen might be a good move for him. I, I agree. I think he might gain some velocity. He clearly has not learned how to pitch at 90, 91. That's, that's exactly what I'm leading but to. But I do think that he might be able to... I don't think he'll go back to 98-99. Never. But I think he might be able to go between 94 and 96 and, and, and find a niche there as a good 7th, 8th inning man. I, I definitely if, hope so. If Familia falters, who knows? Maybe he could close later on in the season. Who knows? But I I think it's a, a step in the right direction in toward fixing Matt Harvey. I, I agree. If not for the Mets as a franchise, then for himself and his career, because he is in a walk year. I agree, and uh, I know I spoke heavily about this, you know, as you said, being a walk year, being big on Matt Harvey's career. So, you know, one of the things I need to touch upon, too, about Matt that it just was very disheartening was he has this rough outing. You know, It's his second rough outing, and I get it was a quick post-game interview after the game. He didn't know what Mickey Calloway was thinking at this time. But when asked if the bullpen could be something that might be good for him or something that, you know, could be seen as an option, mm-hmm. Harvey straight looked at the reporter and said, I'm a starting pitcher. And, you know, I understand, you know, they're major league ball players, they're professionals, and they've done what they've done for a long time. And 
done it the right way to get where they are. But I've seen the same type of situation happen with Azjubal Cabrera in our jersey last year where he, Azjubal Cabrera wanted to play shortstop and the Mets had bigger plans with Ahmed and that's that was the foreseeable future. And Azjubal said, I'm a starting shortstop. Now he's a starting second baseman. But I'm happy to see that he was able to adjust into the role, but I need Matt Harvey to embrace this role and for the sake of the team and for the bigger role bigger purpose other than just himself even though it is you know a walk year and he's probably dealing with a lot not seeing a success on the mound i hear you i mean there is a greater good when it comes to these type of things Definitely. these decisions i mean Ad, i mean early in even early in his career adam warren i mean he was never as highly touted as matt harvey was but you know um he he took kindly to that decision by girardi to be shuffled between a five slot in the rotation and a setup man and eventually, you know, he found his niche as a setup man. Same thing with Chad Green. And same result, he found his niche as a setup man. So maybe it works out for Matt Harvey in the long run. Right. Just have to keep an open mind, though. Gotta to hope for the best. situations, yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I wouldn't say, like, I have the same optimism as you. I think he can find more velocity being used less and in less high, um, less high octane outings. He'll be as a setup man or coming out the bullpen not putting as much force on his arm. So maybe he will be able to come at more people with the fastball. But I've and Matt Harvey starts as a starting pitcher. The success, sometimes even going through the lineup once with that fastball, is not always, it's not always consistent. People are banging 92, 91 if you, if you miss your spot. Sometimes even if you execute your spot, you know. It's a hitter's league right now. Well, the thing about Harvey is he had great secondary stuff when he was in at, at dark knight status right it he wasn't just a fastball the guy change up i know was big the he curve change up and he had a very decent uh uncle charlie a nice hook mm-hmm. but uh i i feel like i, mean, I don't know this is just i don't watch the matches ah, excuse me i don't watch the mets as much as you but i i think maybe he just doesn't trust his stuff i feel like he does throw a lot of fastballs when i do see matt harvey right um he definitely trusts his fastball, though. That's what I say. Like, but he, it's not working. Yes. It's not getting people out. It's not getting the job done. Right. But that brings me to a guy who's doing that right now on the Yankees in Sonny Gray. He's uh, underperforming. I believe we're, we're about uh, three, four starts in the season. But either way, he's only had one good start. And that was that was the one that we covered last week. And so that start was actually two weeks ago. Right. Since we covered it last week, okay, right. So it was a two. His that start was two weeks ago. So what about last and, week? Uh, it was a good start. Last week was bad. Um, he started Sonny in the Gray. Blue Jay series. Yeah, he started uh, on Friday, four twenty, uh, versus the Blue Jays, and he got pulled in the fourth inning again after three and a third. Um, I believe like he left two inning? runners on base, and it just was uh, under. Whelming performance. What De- do you attest it to? Is he uh, falling behind in the count, putting w- walking runners, or messing with a spot? I mean, the stuff, once again, looks great. There's so much movement on his stuff. He looks filthy, but he's not he, he he's not attacking guys. He's falling behind. He's getting into deep counts, and then he's forced to throw the ball over the plate, and then he becomes predictable. Um, in his start two weeks ago, which we reported on last week, um, 
I'm sorry, I forget who he started against, but I do remember it was after um, a big loss. I think it was after that 14-inning game where we, like, abused our pen and used everyone because CC got hurt. Yeah, that was the game. He pitched after that, and he went seven strong on, like, 90 pitches. He was very economical. He attacked the zone. Uh, he didn't have, like, a high K count, but he had a decent K count. I think he had, like, six Ks through seven. Attests to the lower pitch count at that at that point, you know. But he was using his dirty stuff, his amazing movement, and his assortment of breaking stuff yeah, to navigate this lineup, and they couldn't touch him that day. And uh, I think it was the Orioles in that or yeah i think i think it was the orioles uh that um he faced that game but he could not do that versus the blue jays he went back to his old habits of uh nibbling it uh was unimpressive but uh anduhar did homer in that game so that was one of his extra base hits within the streak uh he's killing it as i said before and there's another impressive rookie there's a week of impressive rookies that the yankees have and uh, have seen because the Blue Jays also have one. They have Yuli Gurriel's brother, Lourdes Gurriel, and the, the kid Gurriel plays for the Astros. His yeah. older, well, he was, I don't know his older, but his yeah, older he, brother. it is his older brother because okay. Lourdes Gurriel. He's like a twenty-year-old, twenty-one-year-old shortstop. No, wait. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I don't know if you're gonna get into the story, but I kind of peeped some of the Gurriel story about how they're. Both Cuban, correct? Yeah. They're both Cuban ball players, and their father, I don't know his name, another Guriel, obviously, but... Well, he's Lord as Guriel Jr., so his dad's probably senior. Right. His father was a, one of the best Cuban ball players to never deflect, and a lot of people say that because of his decision to never deflect and come to America, that his sons wouldn't have had the same rise to the league that they were able to have. Right. Like, he... um. Him just being a mainly Cuban dominant ball player, he also coaches the Cuban team for the World Baseball Classic, their father. So he has a big impact in Cuban baseball and probably helping a lot of the players there now defect. And, you know, right. I, I know we have another great Cuban and Joanna Cespedes is one of our main, main headsteads. So shout out to the Gurriel family for keeping the you know Cuban bloodline strong in baseball. Word. And uh, I think they all played in... Uh for the same team, Sancti Spiritus. Oh, out in Cuba. In Cuba, which if uh, um, I don't exactly, I don't exactly know the translation, but I think it means like Holy Spirit, or, or Holy Spirits, or something like that. Uh, I need my Google Translate. Right. <laughs> but yeah, um, Lord Esguriel, he got his first MLB hit in that game. Um, I don't think it was off Sonny Gray though. I think it was off his relief, uh, Domingo Herman. Uh, did pretty well, considering that we lost that game. But he did all right as a rookie reliever. Uh, he dazzled in spring training for us. Uh, former Yankee, Jan Harvest Solarte, hit a freaking bomb into the Yankee bullpen off Adam Warren. Uh, and it was impressive because he, he, he swagged that home run, too. There, there was no bat flip. It was more of like a he was swinging lefty because he's a switch hitter. So he kind of like cargoed it, just dropped the bat. He was leaning back. It was swaggy. <laughs> uh, but also something else that was impressive uh, was in that game uh, to take away or, or throw a, a, a little coat of sugar on the gray performance was Torres got a hit. Again, the dude's a hitting, 
Yeah, he's a hitting machine. Um, he threw the bat to get the hit. He wasn't even holding the bat. He was like so out in front on a low pitch. He let go of the bat and it went over the shortstop's head for a single to left field. And I was, and that this is something that he does. He throw the barrel at the ball, literally, huh? Literally, <laughs> like he's like he had like three or four hits like that last year for us, and it actually. I don't know. It sounded like a metal bat almost. It sounded more like a ping than a wood bat crack. It was it was it was it was kind of funny. But uh, yeah, that's that, that's what that was the bad game of the series. Everyone else did pretty well. CC pitched Tanaka. Sevi was brilliant. He went seven strong in his start. Um, what day is was, this you, for you guys? What was Sevi start? No, no, no. This start, uh, the Sunny Gray start that you're referring to, it's against the Blue Jays. Oh, uh, Friday, 420. Friday, right. Yeah. The Sevy start was two days later. He probably had the best start. He went seven strong. Um, everyone everyone hit well. Didi homered. Austin Romine, hit, hit, he had a nice two-run double with two outs. It was some clutch hitting. Just a Let's backup see. catcher. Yeah, word. Nice. He's uh, making making himself known as a offensive force off the bench for us. He's not really getting cookies anymore. But and he's handling breaking pitches too pretty well. That's good. That means you're a major league hitter identified by the rest of the league. Exactly. Adjust. And then there's Stanton. Um, I don't think he did anything great that day with the bat that I can recall. Um, but he did actually play some pretty nice left field. It was a it was a day game, for those who know. Well, he was playing left field, but for those who know, Yankee Stadium left field has always been the sun field, and Stanton had a sunball. Oh, we'll go into that. What do you mean? As in the sun blinds, oh, often yeah. blinds the, the person like the, playing left field? Yeah, like when the sun is rising, usually for the day game, it's like highest in the sky right over left field. Mm. So, so you the get fly the, balls overhead, they usually need glasses. or to, Yeah, yeah, for sure. And Stanton had him on, but he he battled for a sunball and like got down to a knee, ended up catching it. Um, he had two putouts in that inning. I don't know if that was the first or the second, and these plays were back-to-back. But um, to end that inning, he also made a nice running grab on a line drive uh, crashing into the wall, and he held on to it. So it was pretty pretty nice. Also, uh, Aaron Hicks... Uh, he 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 showed off the wheels a little bit. This is a this is a guy that's athletic. I like to see these athletic guys run. I think Hicks is a, a fast player on your team. Not the fast, one of the faster players on he your team. He is, and he gets great jumps in center. That's why he's great because he has a good combination of both. Mm-hmm. But he 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 doesn't steal a lot, and he stole a base in this game. I'm not sure if it was his first of the season, but I I don't recall him stealing one, and he was on the DL. So I'm just gonna say it's his first of the season, and um, safe assumption. Yeah, but he stole second. There was a throw; it hit off like his cleat and went into left center field. So he went off and took third. He went off and took third, and Didi drove, drove him, him in with a sack fly. Nice. I I think on the next pitch or two, and that that was innings after Didi started off the game uh, with a solo shot in the first. Nice. So Didi was hitting well last week. Andujar was hot last week. Judge was hot. Sanchez is turning the corner. This guy was batting 056 two weeks ago. He's pulled it up to 186. And might I add, he might be batting like 186 right now, but he has 15 RBIs and three home runs. 
possibly four home runs, but right. I'm thinking three. But he has 15 ribbies for sure. Mike Trout, the MLB leader in home runs with nine, has only two more than that. He's got 17 RBIs. So Sanchez is still doing what he gets paid to do. All right. Let, let, that, let me segue into that to end the Mets weekend, you know, to take off because we only have two games from 420, and then we played Saturday with a rainout Sunday and the day off yesterday on Monday. We uh, start a series against the Cardinals tonight, but to end last week on 420, the the Mets, they got a win, and it was powered behind a Noah Syndergaard efficient start. He was able to go seven, seven innings, K6, and allow three earned. Um, the game would go into extras, so it was tied at at those three earned going into the ninth. Um, the Mets were able to hold down the fort with Giselman pitching two solid innings in the 10th and the 11th, allowing no runs, and would get the win when Cespedes drives in a run in the, in the bottom of the 12th to win the game. But that brings me to, like, this is the game where I took note of the slumping Cespedes, Conforto, and Bruce numbers. But Cespedes, like Sanchez, is... Is spotting a, a couple of stats that are still impressive, and with that, I'm, what I mean to say, his power numbers. He has four home runs on the season right now, two, two, two of them being against the Nationals, mm-hmm. and then what? What he has, RBI wise, he has 15 plus RBIs on the season. So right now, Cespedes, although not hitting for average right now, he's driving in runs and getting the job done. In other spots, this big uh, this big hit will lead to a familiar save and a, a win against the Braves. And then the 21st, which was Saturday, we would see another rough outing by the bullpen late. A start, a strong start by DeGrom would take him out of the game in a sixth inning where Reyes would get two hits. Reyes has been slumping very heavy to start the season, and Mickey Calloway has been trying hard to find his spot for him in the lineup. And unfortunately for Reyes, he needs a lot of repetition to see success. So it was nice to see him break out and get two hits. And the team was also happy to see him break out in a big way and get those two hits in that game. Steal a couple of bases himself. Right, yeah, he did steal uh, a couple of bases, show off the wheels, turn back the clock and all that, whatever you want to say. But the game got very slippery towards the end in the ninth inning. We saw Familia put runners on base and allow for a couple of players. Again, he came in to an outing where... It was runners already on for him. Came in in the eighth. And a walk, a single, and then a suicide squeeze ended the game for the Mets in what would have been not the best not the best week as a fan. But going forward, you know, there's just a couple of nitpicking things that are happening as opposed to bullpen guys and how they're being used. And it's something Mickey Calloway will get more accustomed to as the season progresses. But you know, I just think that some of these start, some of these bullpen guys, like are long relievers who he's using in one one hitting outings, and then he's calling upon players like Blevins to go against more hitters than right. one hitter. So it's just, I'm a little confused on how exactly the bullpen is being handled. But I know that it's something that Callaway is gonna adjust as the season progresses. Right, these guys gotta find roles. And uh, this Matt Harvey. Uh, bullpen role uh, adjustment is coming at a time where it's okay because we have Jason Vargas coming up the DL and he's re- he's gonna fit in this um, bo- um, 
fit in rotation the role. He's going to fit in that rotation role for, for Matt Harvey, and we're going to still have the five-man rotation. So, unfortunately, Matt Harvey moving to the bullpen and Vargas getting called up. I saw, I got to see a, a small stint of Jermaine Batista in the majors last week where he struggled in some outings and his uh, control was all over the place. But this kid has really good stuff. If he can go in the minors and progress and perfect it and come back at some point later on in the season, he throws uppers to 99, 100 miles an hour in his when he comes off of the mound and he ditched he was able to get two three k's against teams like the national some of their bigger hitters it's just sometimes the control gets very erratic and he'll walk people and or throwing hard leave one over the plate and get banged for an extra base hit so we need to have that kid you know i want to see him later on in the season doing a little better coming back from the stint in the minors word i mean that that's to be expected with the young pitchers you know what i mean it was it was that way with severino I just I'm I get excited seeing somebody from our farm system come up and have that stuff there. Right. I want to see him, you know, work on it and you know be an attribute to the team. Man, y'all been spoiled with that though. First Harvey comes up with the stuff, and then Syndergaard and yeah, Degrom too. Man, Degrom. Like, yeah, well, Syndergaard we got spoiled. From, Syndergaard we got you know, from Toronto. From, that was a nice little steal. Yeah, it really was, man. And, uh, <sighs> Travis and Cindy for R. A. Dickey. Yeah. Oh man, who knew? Who knew how well that would have turned out for the Mets? And that's coming off of, uh, I think, a twenty-win Cy Young. Yeah, that was a Cy Young season. Twenty wins as a knuckleballer. So, hey, that was crazy. Everybody won a little bit except for Toronto. Hey, I mean, heck, Yankees did one of those too. That's how we got Glaber Torres and that Chapman deal, and then got Chapman back. Speaking to end the week, wasn't he called up for you guys to end the week? Yeah, he was Glaber. It was Glaber Day. That's what that's what everyone did. Uh, he get he get yes to touch network. the field at the end. He did. He started two games. He started the last game of the Toronto series. Went 0 for four. Um, then he got his uh, first hit yesterday in the Minnesota game in the eighth inning. Nice little uh, clean single up the middle. Hard hit. Uh, first of many, hopefully. Of course. But where not to be confused with Torres for the fans who might not know where does where where do they play? Both. Uh, infield uh do they they both up the middle guys i like mean alternating or is one by trade yes they're both actually shortstops but they, they're being deployed all over the infield okay not first base though the right, other right. infield spots third base too We're yeah seeing third bo- base. both of them getting a mix up with yeah, jury so, hurt yeah so far in his two games torres is he's only played second uh torres has already been everywhere so they at least once yeah yeah but um, that's all the time we have this week on the X-Town Podcast. Uh, we pretty much covered everything from last week, and we look forward to watching this week's baseball and, and bringing have, it to you guys. And having more coverage next week of you know New York baseball, Mets, and Yankees. That being said, we want our fans to continuously know you can reach out to us with any type of feedback, any type of information. You know, We're always looking to incorporate more people into our podcast and Exactly. You guys heard it last week. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get any uh, feedback this week. But, you know, if you're interested, just let us know. And we'll make sure to get you on the show. But uh, I'm Adam Morales along with... The Met fan, Austin Torres. And this was the X-Town Podcast. We hope you guys tune in next week. Catch us on social media. I'm talking Twitter, Facebook, all Apple, that. Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast, SoundCloud catches pretty much anywhere really please support like listen feedback all of it 
Yeah, that's what we love. We love you guys. We love baseball. And we're out. Peace. Peace. My sermon today, said the Reverend Jones, is baseball and whence it came. If you take the good book and you take a good look, you will find the first baseball game. It says Eve stole first and Adam second. Solomon umpired the game. Rebecca went to the well with the pitcher And Ruth in the field made a name Goliath was struck out by David A base hit made on Abel by Cain And the prodigal son made a great home run Brother Noah gave checks out for rain now old St. Pete was checking errors, also had charge of the gate. Salome sacrificed Big John the Baptist, who wound up a head on the plate. Delilah was pitching to Samson when he brought down the house with a clout. And the angels that day made a double play that's when adam and eve were thrown out now jonah wailed and went down swinging later he popped up again a lion drive by old nebuchadnezzar made daniel warm up in the pen satan was pitching that apple it looked as though he might fan them all But then Joshua let go with a mighty blow And he blasted one right at the wall Shouting, come along and let's play